Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about state of origin. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. A big shout out to all the people from New South Wales, who surely must be feeling somewhat relieved after New South Wales played closer to their potential in game two and got the job done. And of course, a big shout out to the best friend of the podcast, Owen, who did not manage to give us a prediction for this week, but I'm sure he's going for Queensland if I know Owen as well as I think I do. To discuss game two, the women's origin match that happened on Friday night and the upcoming decider in the men's series, we have Miles Stedman and Kieran Gibson joining me. And guys, uh, let's jump into the bowl predictions first of all. I'm very happy to put mine first and foremost because I had that New South Wales will complete at at least 85% and tackle at at least 90% efficiency. And they did. They had a completion rate of 89% and a tackle efficiency of 90.7. So just scraping in with that one. But I will very happily take that one. That is my bold prediction for last week and maybe like the second one I've got all year. Um, So I'll definitely take that to the bank. Uh, Kieran, yours was that a forward would score the first and last try of the match. Uh, Maybe some less happy hunting for you. Uh, definitely. Uh, there was one forwards try um, in the end to Josh Papali um, in the game, and I think it was the second last try of the game. But um, if you go how the bunker rules on tries uh, throughout the NRL regular season, then it wouldn't have been any surprise if Papali's was the only one that uh, had ended up being allowed, and that would have been the first and last try of the match. But alas, in the end, it was just that try, and uh, it was not the first or last try of the match. Are you trying to somehow give yourself credit for <laughs> for a, for, for a, uh, a seven tries to backs and one try to forward loss in your case? Like, come on, mate. You're better than that. <laughs> Miles, uh, you had the Clint Gutherson. You weren't super happy with Gutherson being picked at all for game two, but you said that now that he was, that he would have a two-try game to shut you up. Um, he didn't, but the man outside him did. Correct, but he uh, hasn't shut me up, has he? I'm still talking. He he did not <laughs> score two tries. Uh, in fact, all he did was basically cross his name off my state of origin list, and at least until <laughs> next season, at the very least. <laughs> very, very good. Okay, well, let's talk about game two a little bit. It was a resounding victory uh, to New South Wales, 34 points to 10, and really quite early on, you could see the way that that match was going to go. Of course, Queensland were the first to score after a, a quite a silky little bit of work from Gagai down the right edge, setting up Xavier Coates for a cartwheeling effort which may have hurt him um, because he has been ruled out for game three, but more on that later. Uh, Queensland got to that early lead, but it really was all New South Wales in game two. And it was game two turned out a lot more like I thought game one would, which I imagine would have you feeling a bit more at ease about the New South Wales setup, miles. Yeah, indeed. Um, I I think that Brad Fittler responded exactly how you'd have wanted him to, if you were, New South Wales fan, especially if you're a, a bit of a Brad Fiddler hater like I am. So, look, he, he did wrestle back a bit of my confidence, and I, I think it's fair to say that he certainly outcoached Wayne Burton in, in both halves of that game, even though we, we know who the better coach really is. But, yeah, it, it does give you, you confidence that even if Bennett does choose to stick on beyond this year as state of origin coach, that New South Wales's talent crop is at least good enough to overcome that because I think there were certainly questions after game one that maybe they're not. Kieran, 
it was a comprehensive victory to the Blues as a Maroons fan. How are you feeling after all that? Obviously, it was a lot of confidence after game one, but uh, a bit of a crashing back to earth, do you think? Uh, definitely, and it, it just showed how important Munster is to our team. I mean, I think game one showed that as well. Um, he was easily the dominant player in that match, and uh, we, we knew uh, we weren't accounting for a, a head knock in the second minute or whenever it happened, but we knew that if he was not going to play, then um, against that, as Miles said, that crop of talent from New South Wales, it was going to be a, a very tall task to win. And I really didn't understand Dynamis Louis starting, who's now been dropped from the team. For me, that was a bit of a peculiar one from Wayne Bennett. Um, but yeah, I, I, um, I'm looking forward to the decider and uh, I'm not giving up just yet. Yeah, I was, I was a bit confused by Dunamis starting as well. I, th- I think he sees a guy like Arrow and a guy like uh, Fotoaker and a guy like Lindsay Collins as more impact forwards to bring on after that initial uh, hold down the middle defensively kind of dirty work is done. Uh, so he was hoping for a Christian Welch-like performance from Dunamis Louis, but there is a bit of a gap in the talent between those two players, I think. Um, and he has been named on the bench, but as you say, late developments may see him drop out of the side if Branko Lee is fit of all people. Let's jump into the 3-2-1s. So last week, Miles, you went with Josh Adokara with three points, Jake Travoyevich for two points, and Daniel Saifiti for one point. But realistically, last week, you only had three players to choose from uh, who played any good for New South Wales. This time, you have a few more to pick from. So who gets your three points for this game too? You know, funnily enough, I think... Again, only three players really impressed me. Uh, I think for the most part, most of the, the team did played their role and was anywhere from okay to good. But I, yeah, there was, I mean, this was an easy one for me again. I, I think the halves were obviously the key to New South Wales for game two. And it, it's impossible for me to split Nathan Cleary and Cody Walker with how good they were. They combined beautifully which uh, makes Bradfield look even sillier for not sticking with them after game one last year uh, Cleary was his usual dictatorial self as he was or as he has been throughout the season and Walker looked like I guess the most dangerous player in the NRL pretty much every time he touched the ball and if you're forcing me to split them maybe you can give the the three to the the try scorer Walker but uh look I uh, I think that as far as that goes, they both deserve three votes. And I think the other standout from New South Wales, for, apart from those two, was um, James Tedesco. So uh, I think it's similar to Walker. He was pretty, he had a hand in pretty much everything that the Blues had been doing well. And I think that he'll probably be sold as the man of the series at the end of the game, at game three rather. Yeah, they were, they all had tremendous games. I, I guess the one thing that I observe about those three players, at least going into game two, was they all had question marks over their spot. Um, in, in a certain in a certain way, Whoa. like Cody. Well, well, uh, I will say that Tedesco, of course, was the first picked fullback, but he was the captain. <laughs> don't forget. Um, so Cody Walker, you know, played that one game last year, didn't have a great one, uh, and then you know played twenty minutes in game one this year played a little bit better, so he was picked. A lot of question marks there about whether he was up to the standard of State of Origin. Nathan Cleary, likewise, despite him domina- dominating the NRL this season. And Tedesco's never captained uh, at a senior level before, so how is he going to go as a leader uh, in this sort of environment, trying to lead his side 
uh, coming from 1-0 down against some hungry Queenslanders, and I thought he answered the call quite well. Are you happy to see Tedesco continue as captain uh, moving forward? Well, this is something we can approach in the off-season, and I think that Boyd Cordner should not only retire from State of Origin, but I think he should retire, period, with the head knocks that he's had, he's had this year, and obviously he's going to need another captain next year, next year's State of Origin, so I don't see any reason to change it up from James Tedesco. Yeah, he had a he had a, a good game, and, and I, I think it's fair to say that all three of those guys uh, surprised me a little bit. Kieran, let's go to the Queenslanders, uh, quite the converse to, to Miles' situation. Uh, last, in game one, you had a number of people to pick from uh, who played quite well. You went with three votes for Cameron Munster, uh, two votes to Dan Gagai, and one vote to Tino Fasua Maliawi. Now, obviously, you're not going to go with three votes to Cameron Munster this time. Uh, and and there's a few Queenslanders that were maybe a little bit less than impressive. Uh, so who gets your three votes for Queensland in game two? To be honest, I, I had a clear... Uh pick for three votes but otherwise i I didn't really think anyone else deserved any votes um to be completely honest um if you looked at wayne bennett how happy he was after the game you probably would have thought he thought everyone deserved three votes but i don't know i'm not too sure what that was about he looked um really happy after the game but anyway i I went three votes to tino fasu or maliawi um who was rampaging with some of his runs really bending the blues even when the home side had the ascendancy and then i had i just Purely on effort, I thought DCE probably deserved two point or two votes. Um, who, despite being criticised heavily post match, I thought he did stand up um, and with little to no help elsewhere, he set up that try for Josh Papali and uh, he definitely was trying. Um, and they were getting uh, like they had no momentum, um, no monster, and I thought DCE was probably the most likely to sort of at least put us in with some sort of a chance. And then I had one vote which went to Lindsay Collins, um, who looks right at home in Origin with a, a long career ahead of him in the in the Queensland jumper. So Tino leads after two games with four votes, but I'm tipping Munster to reclaim the top spot, even with having only played slightly more than two games touch wood by the end of this series. Yeah, and, and thanks, thanks for doing that small little part of my job for me. So uh, the only person with four votes thus far from either team is Tino Faso and Maliawi uh, with the four. But for New South Wales, of course, you've got three votes for Josh Adokar and three votes for Cody Walker, but a whole mixture of people getting the rest of the votes from both sides. So it'll be very interesting to see uh, how you guys vote after game three, which starts tomorrow. And I do, I do largely agree with with uh, your picks, uh, particularly of, of Fasu Maliawi, but I would like to come back to that a little bit later on. Miles, what do you make of of uh, of Kieran's picks there? Did you think that Tino and, and DCE were the standout players for Queensland as well? Uh, not quite. I mean, I, I thought they were both, uh, as far as Queensland goes, uh, I thought they were both good and, and certainly among their better players, but I, I, th- I was almost certain that Gaga was going to get some votes there, but he, he did not. Personally, I thought he was Queensland's best. He, I think he, New South Wales would have scored a lot of more tries if he wasn't out there. He, he made some good reads out on his edge, and he, I think he put uh, Coates in for, for Queensland's first try too, so he uh, had the only try assist for, for Queensland, I think. And, um, yeah, I, I thought Gaga was, was clearly the Maroons' best, but that's not to say that for Maui and, and Collins weren't good, and I, I probably would have had Cherry Evans as, as my... My second best. And uh, 
reverse question to you, Kieran. Uh, we've got Cody Walker, three votes, Cleary, two, Tedesco, one. The, the popular consensus is that Cleary was the was the standout half. Would, would you also feel comfortable, as comfortable as Miles, to give Walker equal credit? Well, uh, I'm a stout defender of Cleary, and I, I really, really like the guy. So I, I would have gone Cleary. Uh, I, I mean, I, th- I like to think that that's without bias as well. But, I, I, yeah, I would have given it to Cleary. And I, I don't know if it's the greatest kicking game I've ever seen in an Origin match, but it would have to be right up there at top two, I'll say. Um, I can't <laughs> actually yeah. think... Well, I can't think of anything better. Um, I've been watching Origin since 2004, so... I'm not too sure, but yeah, I would have had Cleary with three, Walker with two, who I'm so glad um, really showed that he belongs, or at least for now, um, belongs in origin. He's not going to, well, he hasn't been dropped, um, which is really nice to see. I, I think he can belong in origin. And then one vote, yeah, I think Tedesco as well. Yeah, I'm glad to see you guys agree, at least on the New South Wales votes. Uh, let's just flick the switch to uh, the women's origin uh, very briefly. I'm more than happy to do that as a Queensland person because Queensland won! Queensland won 24-18. to 18. Uh, We've ended the drought, as it were. Uh, we haven't won an official state of origin uh, contest against the women Uh because it's only been since, I think it was 2017, there's only been a few years of State of Origin in the women's game. Uh, so New South Wales has had a period of dominance during that time. But Queensland won 24-18. Taryn Aiken, who played 5-8th uh, for the Maroons, uh, making her debut, was the player of the match. Um, I was astounded that it didn't go to Tamika Upton, the fullback for the Broncos and the Maroons. I think she's really stamped herself as an elite rugby league player. She had, uh, and it was it was her that broke the game open with the help of Aiken a couple of times um, to really break uh, New South Wales back. You would say that on paper, the Maroons were perhaps stronger in the forwards. I'd say they were definitely stronger in the halves, but the Blues had some real Ferraris out wide with the likes of Isabel Kelly and... Uh, Tiana Penitani and uh, and of course Jess Sergis, but Tamika Upton was the ace for the Maroons. She won that. Uh, she got that first try, which was a, a breakaway try from a kick return, as it were, and showing plenty of pace and good footwork. Kezi Apps leveled the scores with a try in the first half, making it six all at half time. And then the Maroons came out and just blitzed the Blues. Um, got the score to 24 to six with about 20 minutes left. The Blues did fight back valiantly in those last 20 minutes, um, but it always kind of felt like the game was beyond them. I thought it was interesting that they dropped Maddie Studden from the squad and gave the halfback role to Melanie Howard, the Blues that is. And she, went, she did quite well, but they just... She, could, she just couldn't bring the star-sided backline into the game, which they really needed to do. And, of course, the game was separated by six points. Uh, Lauren Brown from the from the Maroons got four from four, including some very impressive sideline conversions, and that actually ended up proving the difference with Melanie Howard getting one from four of her conversions. So it was actually a lot closer than, uh, than it may seem, but... And in a sense, it was also quite a dominant victory for the Maroons, apart from a 15-minute period towards the end. But good news for the Maroons now that they have won their way through. Have you guys been able to catch much of Tamika Upton, the Maroons fullback? I'll, I'll start with you there, Miles. You mentioned that you saw plenty of the uh, of the Blues comeback, but have you have you caught much of Tamika Upton? Well, I'm not sure why you're surprised that she wasn't given player of the game after 
Daily Cherry Evans uh, got it in game one for, for <laughs> Queensland. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's clear that the um, the people judging that sort of thing may probably not watching the same game as us. But, no, it's good to see, I think, at least one of the 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 series between the men and the women that has some, some real spice to it. I, I mean, I think that the general consensus would be that uh, Blue is probably a bit stronger than the Maroons or a fair bit stronger in the men's but it looks like a, a really evenly contested thing for the the women let's hope that carries on over the next few years because the it's been a a good introduction to state of origin for the the women off the back of the year before that's um fantastic game and and, and the, the two subsequent contests mm. uh, the game that you're referring to was that the one at north sydney oval where they just both went just hammer and tong each other and the blues ended up winning that's the one yeah, that was a fantastic game of rugby league, and and for all the people that might speak about like de- like detract away from the event, saying that maybe they don't have the same skill level as the men, of course they don't. Like, the men have been professional since they were fifteen year fifteen years old. A lot of these guys, you know, they've they've come through these systems. They've been paid a lot of money. They can focus solely on this sort of stuff. Women have only been professional and let's call it semi professional in the last few years. So of course the skill levels will be different. But what we do have is two very, as you say, very evenly matched sides that really, really want it. And that still makes for a really good product. Kieran, I I trust that you're very excited. Even if the men don't get the job done this year, I'm sure you're very excited that the Queenslanders managed to get the job done, uh, for the women at least. Yeah, it was really pleasing to see. um, And it was great to see the emotions of, uh, I know it wasn't, um, it's not the nicest thing losing uh, at any time in anything. But it, I, I enjoyed seeing the emotion the Blues players showed just to sort of show how much Origin means to them um, and then how excited Queensland were to win. And, and just on Tamika Upton, I thought she was brilliant as well um, and did everything that I, I had hoped Holmes might be at least somewhat close to. Um, the way she broke through for that first try and then that second try where she followed up, she actually, on that second try, she um, it might seem something that every player should be doing, but you could see that she had her arms... Uh, held out just to catch the ball properly like when she could have been a bit lax about it um, and there was no doubt that she was going to score that try. Brilliant game. And that was Taryn Aiken that broke the line for Upton's second try and and one thing that Aiken did really well was through the perfect pass right where it needed to be at exactly the right time to draw the fullback and that's actually something that a lot of the men don't get right a lot of the time so Taryn Aiken also having a very fine game and got player of the match. Uh, I, I like that you talk about Valentine Holmes because that is sort of a segue into our next segment, which is, are you happy with the changes to your side for game three in the men's state of origin? Valentine Holmes will be involved in a change according to Wayne Bennett. So in terms of personnel changes for Queensland, I'll start there because New South Wales don't have a lot of changes, let's be honest. Uh, they have dropped Philip Sammy from the left wing. He had a, a few issues there, caught out a number of times by a, a pretty good game plan from Cleary and Addo Carr uh, to uh, u- utilize Addo Carr's speed. So Sammy's been dropped and Corey Allen has been named on the wing. But as we know, there have been a few little changes afoot, um, including the fact that Corey Allen and Valentine Holmes will be swapping. We assume that Valentine Holmes will play on the left wing. Xavier Coates was named on the right wing 
as he had been the previous couple of games, but he is now injured. Uh, he's been ruled out today. Today is Tuesday, the day before Origin 3, uh, which means that Edric Lee will come into the side and will probably play on the right wing as well uh, to utilize his height against Daniel Tupo, which means that there's going to be a few other changes as well. They're waiting on the fitness of Branko Lee, uh, who has been named in the reserves. The, the instinct or the thought is that Branko Lee and Edric Lee will both play on the right edge, moving Dane Gagai across to left center to play with Valentine Holmes on the left, which means that Kurt Capewell will move from left center to left second rower, which will move Jaden Sua back to the bench, and Dunamis Louis will drop out from the bench to the reserves. I guess my question to you, Kieran, is... Are you happy with those changes? Because they're forced with Coates being out, yeah, I, I am um, fairly happy with it. For the most part, yes, I would say. And uh, I think Allen for Holmes was quite necessary anyway, um, as Holmes had not, he didn't really provide much spark at the back, albeit with limited opportunity. And But I just think uh, he was nowhere defensively um, for Queensland on our line for just about every single New South Wales try. If you watch the tape back, I'd I don't think Holmes was in the picture any time a Blues player went over at all, which is pretty criminal for a, a fullback, um, especially in today's game. They're supposed to be the one of the, the lead communicators and also just always there um, covering in defense, and he just wasn't. Yeah, Coates is a loss, um, but it's it's injury force, and although he didn't have a second game, uh, a good, a happy second game. I, I would still prefer him over Edric Lee. However, Edric has had his best season this year, so I'm hoping he can provide some life for us on the wing. Um, I don't think Capel could have stayed at centre for mine, and, and Brinko Lee being so resolute in defence in the NRL. Um, it's so it's uh, being that he was so resolute in defence in the NRL. It's a, a timely inclusion after leaking 34 points in game two. Um, Capewell in the forwards that that will still offer and he will still offer an attacking threat and will make whatever edge he plays on other I think you said the left edge um, with Holmes there as well so that will make that quite a, a potent edge hopefully um, with Capewell's offloading ability uh, I am a little uneasy with Hunt being dropped even if he had a um, not his best game in game two and Grant only on the bench even if this is a decider I would have had Grant starting Munster did it in game three in 2017 and won the game for Queensland in one of, if not the best Origin debuts ever. Um, and Sua has been wonderful for us, but I, I don't think we lose anything with Capewell starting and Sua coming off the bench. So long as he gets decent to play decent minutes, I'm happy with that. Um, I am a little worried about Munster, even if he has been past fit to play. That, that knock he received was really bad, and he is the ultimate professional now, despite asking for a, an extra day to celebrate the 2020 Grand Final. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think he'll be doing everything for a Queensland win. And um, yeah, overall, pretty happy with the changes. Uh, I think as much as you can be, really. Speaking of ultimate professionals, they also have Christian Welch returning into the front row. I forgot to mention, uh, meaning that Mo Foto Acre uh, drops out uh, into the reserves. Uh, that is a boost for the Maroons as well. I, I I do agree with you a little bit about the treatment of Ben Hunt. Ben Hunt was very, very good in game one, uh, coming on as a sort of like loose kind of lock forward, just sort of roaming around, creating trouble. Uh, coming on in game two as a 5'8", though, he was defending on the on a foreign side to him, uh, which led to a, a bunch of tries because him and Capewell just couldn't work it out what was going on over there. Uh, and 
in terms of a playmaker, they we just like we lose that left foot, we lose and just Munster's ability just to imprint himself on a contest. But is Hunt still more utility value than Harry Grant on an interchange bench? I think so. Um, so if you're going to have Harry Grant, you either put him in at hooker, get rid of Jake Friend, or you don't have him in there at all. In my opinion, would you would you agree with that statement? Uh, that's what I would have done. I would have had Grant starting and Hunt on the bench. I don't think Friends uh, defensively he has plugged a few holes for us. He I think scores honestly. New South Wales could have possibly won game one if Friend wasn't there. He um, stopped a few rampaging players who could have broke the line but that's all ifs and buts we don't know and if someone else was there they might have done just as good a job he doesn't really offer anything in attack i definitely would have had grant starting and uh, hunt in the 14 role yeah one thing that we've learned from the blues over the years is that uh your number nine i mean yes throwing a, a nice pass is essential and defense is essential but having some spark out of there as well is also is an, is an X factor and what Damien Cook has provided in the last couple of years when they could have gone with McInnes they could have gone with Coruscant they ended up going with Damien Cook was he sort of really just given them an extra dimension to their side uh, which makes guys like Papali and Welch very very nervous around the middle as the A defenders uh, when Damien Cook has a little bit of leeway. Let's talk about the Blues very briefly. Uh, obviously we can't talk too much about any changes Miles because there aren't any but there has been some whispers about Josh Adokar being a little bit unfit. Uh, in that case I imagine Nick Cottridge would come into his position on the right wing uh, which is fairly logical. Um, but are you happy with the Blues staying exactly the same, despite the fact that they have guys like Ryan Pappenhausen now available. Well, you, you say, let me address that first, you say fairly logical, and I think that's the exact reason that Fittler's not going to make that move. I honestly do think that if Adokar's not fit to play, we will see Ryan Pappenhausen on the wing because that's just the kind of guy that Freddie is. He he doesn't make the obvious <laughs> selection. He's obviously got a fullback and a 5'8 playing in the centres, and... Uh, Josh had a car playing on the on the the wrong side of the field for him, so I, I wouldn't at all be surprised to see Pappenhausen there instead of the obvious move, which would be Kotrick. But yeah, you, you do say that there there hasn't been any changes, and uh, am I happy with that? Well, I mean, I'm happy insofar as that I, I do believe that you don't change a winning team, or, or at least change it too much. And and of course, Fitler hasn't changed it at all, but. Look, uh, that, that said, there are still obviously a few passengers here who are, I think, clearly limping through the series on probably on the, the smell of Freddie's love for them, such as, as we mentioned, Gutherson and Angus Crichton, Tyson Frizzell, Junior Paulo, those kinds of characters who I, I think if I was selecting, they could probably take a hike and, and maybe come back for next series if they're good enough. But look, uh, I think also Whiten too has been ordinary in the, in the two games running that he's played and uh, but as I said, I think I've made my point clear that uh, Phil is clearly giving the, the wrong end of the shaft, not playing him at 5-8. Yeah, it's an interesting one because, um, you know, as as you and, and Kieran both said before the series, you wanted Whiten to be the 5-8. He's a Dalian player of the year in that position. As it turned out, they gave it to Kiri, who got scapegoated, and they gave it to Walker, who had an excellent game in Game 2. Would you still be plugging to have Whiten in there at 5'8", or at this point, now that Walker has sort of stamped himself, would you be more happy to have Whiten out of the team, 
on current form? Look, if I was selecting, the way I look at this is that we have to, it all comes down to this game. It, you know, it, Your loyalties and whatever are great in, in trying out what you can when you've got a, a, at least one game that you can lose. But we've got to win this game, and, and Jack Whiten hasn't helped us win anything thus far. So, yes, yeah, so I would be replacing him with Nick Kotrick, personally. I, I think Kotrick was good, and he, the limited state of origin that he's played thus far, and he's in the squad, so we we are able to use him, and that's that's where I'd go for Game 3. I, I'd be dropping Whiten altogether, as good as he's been. You wouldn't play a little bit of Freddie Ball and just throw Cameron McGuinness in it there at left centre? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure Freddie would would absolutely love to do that, but uh, he's probably a bit slow for me to play in the centres. It didn't stop Queensland with Kurt Capewell, but I digress. Uh, guys, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's let's move on to some above the horizontal thinking. Uh, we've had two games of the men so far, and one of the women's. If if that tickles your fancy, what I want to know is what is one thing that you've learned from this year's State of Origin series so far? Uh, that would preferably be something that uh, maybe you've been proven wrong about, or maybe something that uh, you didn't know if they were going to be up to the standard, say, but they have proven that they are. Um, Kieran, I might start with you. What is one thing that you've learned from this year's State of Origin series so far? It's something that you're, both yourself and Miles um, said uh, and I didn't agree with I quietly. I didn't uh, voice it, but um, it's that Origin is always well and truly alive. Um, I have been guilty of kind of going into series thinking, oh, this team's penciled in to win. And despite Queensland winning eight in a row, um, they only won one of those uh, in a whitewash. So you just mm. never know which way it's going to go. And uh, I was very doubtful about Queensland going to a, a decider in Game 3 this series. Um, I've also learned that Paul Gallen is definitely my most disliked player in league. Um, I love and respect the hell out of him as a player, but he is a fool on the mic. Um, if Queensland win tomorrow, the worst Queensland team ever, according to him, will beat, while still young, one of the better New South Wales teams, in my opinion. Um, to elaborate more on my previous point, though, I, I just as... Bo would say liked the cut of the Blues jib a bit too much, and the dearth of injuries to Queensland had me expressing great displeasure at losing three series in a row, which I thought was definitely going to happen. And whilst it probably doesn't look too likely that it won't happen, um, I just know how much losing hurts as a fan. Um, so I think the team, the Queensland team, with the extra added gift of playing in front of their home fans, um, they'll be buoyed by that and uh, raring for the opportunity to snap the Blues streak. I genuinely hope that Paul Gallen somehow hears this because uh, <laughs> because I I love I, I look forward to his return serve diss track after you've just called him a fool on the mic like it's some sort of like <laughs> rap battle, uh, <laughs> uh, but of course he probably won't because he doesn't have the good sense to listen to this show. Miles, what is what is the one thing you've learned from this year's State of Origin series? Well, the one thing I've learned is that I'd love to see an eight-mile-style rap battle between Kieran Gibson and Paul Gallen. That would be really cool. But, um, <laughs> He's no, a fool look, on the mic, though. <laughs> he well, would buy it if he heard. <laughs> that's why I'd love to see it. I'd love to see Kieran shut him down because I I never liked Paul Gallen, that's for sure. Uh, we, we haven't learned that. I still hate him. But um, <laughs> regardless, uh, look, we I've confirmed what I suspect I already knew is that was the... New South Wales is, is far more talented than Queensland and 
I think um, if they want to go on a bit of a hop here, they, they can in New South Wales. But what I've learned is that Wayne Bennett certainly makes up for a lot of that talent deficit and probably far more than anyone predicted at the beginning of the series. Uh, but look, there, there is no getting around the fact that a guy like Corey Allen, who, let's let's be honest, he wasn't first grade material until the, the fall of the dice went his way and Latrell Mitchell hurt himself and Corey Allen found himself at fullback and He's starting in a, in a state of origin decider for Queensland, so I got to think there's at least fifteen to twenty, um, probably fifteen to twenty backs in front of him if you're a New South Welshman. So I think what I've learned is that Queensland currently they have the the greatest coach of all time coaching them, and I think they, despite his age, they need to hang on to him in any way they can. And if anything, I think that this would be the perfect job going into retirement for Wayne Bennett. It's it happens three times a year. It, you get paid handsomely for it, and it's the, the highest level the game's played at. So uh, whatever it is that they need to throw at Wayne Bennett to keep him coaching the Maroons, that they need to make it happen. Yeah, like money, uh, women, whatever. Just throw, just throw, <laughs> it, throw it at Wayne well. Bennett. <laughs> he, um, he can think with his little head as much as he wants at that point, uh, <laughs> Mr. Bennett. Uh, look, for me, I learned the best way for the Titans to use Tino Fa'asua Maliawi. I looked at their roster for next year as part of my due diligence for our off-season chats. I've been putting together uh, my version of the best 17 for each club, and I'm about halfway through as it is. And I did it for the Titans, and it was quite tricky to juggle David Fafida, Kevin Proctor, who is the captain of that club, and Tino Fa'asua Maliawi, after those two guys join in the off-season, I-, I wondered where they were going to use Tino. And I figured maybe as like a bench X-Factor, like he is at the Storm, uh, because I sure wouldn't be moving for Fida or Proctor from their positions on the edge. But then, under Wayne Bennett, he becomes an excellent lock. And he was one of our better players in Game 1. As, as Kieran has announced, he was probably our best player in Game 2. So I think with Jai Arrow moving to the Rabbitohs, Wayne Bennett has done Justin Holbrook a big favour and handed him the blueprint, which is to play Tino at lock. I've been shocked at how he's gone so, so well. And I thought leaving Josh Maguire out of the squad, as we all agreed, was a crazy, crazy move uh, because he would have just been the lock straight away. And if it wasn't him, then why not Jai Arrow? And if it wasn't him, then shit, why not Patrick Carrigan, right? At least he plays there week in, week out. But Tino has been an inspired choice by Wayne Bennett, and uh, I think that's where he'll play next year for the Titans, and I think it makes them a far more dangerous side than if he comes on as an X-Factor back rower. But it sounds like we've learned a bunch of things, and uh, you you and Kieran Miles had a a bit of crossover when it came to talking about uh, the deficit of talent between New South Wales and Queensland. You and I, Miles, had a bit of crossover when it came to uh, loving a bit of Wayne Bennett and his genius. Uh, So I'm glad that there was some crossover there. Either way, we're, we're all very much looking forward to Game 3. Now, of course, we all know who we're going for in our hearts, but who are we going for in our heads? What do we think is going to happen? Miles, do you think the Blues can go on with the job now? I do. And uh, as worried as I still am, as, as Kieran said, the Cameron Munster factor is a big one. But I, I, I think that Queensland have, as I said, they're balancing very precariously talent-wise. And I, I think they've lost just a little bit too much talent to to get this one across the line. And I, I say that knowing full well that 
Uh, I also just praise Bennett for his ability to, to make up that talent deficit. But, you know, you've got guys like uh, Edric Lee on the wing now who hasn't played all series. And I believe he's making his, his State of Origin debut. And as I've already mentioned, Corey Allen at fullback. And uh, and I agree with you guys. Ben Hunt, I don't understand why he was dropped. And I, I understand even less why they've gone with Harry Grant as opposed to not another utility. If they have one in the squad, I'm not sure. They've they've lost Coates, who I think has probably been one of their better players for, their ser- for the series. And obviously Munster comes in with that injury cloud. So there are, I think, one too many questions over Queensland for me where New South Wales having won a few series in a row now and, and, and sorted themselves out a fair bit in game two. I think there's far less questions over that team going into game three. So, look, it, it could absolutely go either way. And I, I've tipped uh, the, the, the Blues by, I think, 10 the past two games. I'm going to peg it back a little bit because it's at Suncorp Stadium and I'm going to go the Blues by eight. Very good choice. I, I just had a, a bit of a realization that uh, with that utility factor you're talking about, I don't think there really is another utility in the squad. AJ Brimson would probably be that, um, but he would have been the fullback if he was fit. So what they would probably do if there was some sort of injury in the back line, say, is they'd probably just move Kurt Capewell back out there, Jaden Sewer into second row. How they're probably going to use Grant, if I was Wayne Bennett with the exact 17 that I've got there, is I'd be... Uh, I would just use Grant and just leave Friend on the bench the whole time. But given that's probably not going to happen, uh, Friend will use up those first, like, say, half an hour. Grant will come on 10 minutes before halftime, add a little bit of spark and creativity around the ruck, and Friend will basically become a tackling machine um, and just stay out there as, like, a lock and just tackle his ass off and maybe become a bit of a running forward, a la Cameron McInnes at the Dragons. Um, but, yes, a, a Blues victory by eight, for miles and that seems maybe a conservative estimate there kieran do you think queensland have what it takes as your heart would say or are you agreeing with miles that the blues should be able to get the job done i'm still undecided as it is right now but uh i I really like the fact that it's a, a decider at suncorp um i just think psychologically i don't know just that extra lift even subconsciously you just lift so much more in front of your own fans um, so I'm praying that that's going to have a, a big lift for, or a big influence for us, as well as the uh, added inclusion of Cameron Munster. Um, I know he's had that bad head knock, and I, I did say I have con- some concern over that. Um, but I, I think he'll have a, a very, very good game. Um, I think he knows what's on the line. Uh, he, As I said before, he uh, had that man-of-the-match performance on debut. And I think he'll he'll really go to maybe not another level, but that at least that same level as when he debuted again. Um, fingers crossed. If I was Bennett, I'd be bringing Grant on after the 25-30 minute mark, as you said, and I wouldn't be taking him back off, as you said. If we're chasing points, I'd, I'd really like to see Friend taken off if he is that um, uh, playing at lock and just a tackling machine and bring Sua on for a bit more of a, an attacking threat. Um, and I think we will be chasing points, so that kind of goes against my prediction, but um, I'm probably leaning with my heart a little bit, but I'm going to say Queensland by four. That game that you mentioned, that game three of 2017, now I'm a Cowboys fan and I acknowledge my bias, and there was a a discussion that was going on at that point because Thurston was injured. He injured himself in game two and he was out and unavailable. They had 
Cooper Cronk at halfback, that was a lock. So basically, it was a matter of who was going to be the 5'8 for the Maroons. They had some options. They had Anthony Milford. They had Michael Morgan, of course. They had uh, Cameron Munster was being spoken about because the Storm had a really good year. He was playing 5'8 for them, combination with Cooper Cronk. And I remember thinking, they are freaking crazy if they don't put Michael Morgan in there, who was also a pretty good touch. And as you remember in 2017, dragged the Cowboys into the final, as it were. Uh, I thought they were crazy. They ended up... The other thing was that Darius Boyd was playing at left center for the Maroons, and he got injured as well. So they needed a left center, and they needed a 5'8". And I thought to myself, there you go. Michael Morgan at 5'8". Cameron Munster on left center. He's played that before. Easy fix. They went the other way around. They both had excellent games, and as you said, Munster had one of the best debuts ever. Um, so prove me the hell wrong. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, I I anticipate that the Blues will get this job done. Um, my head says probably similar to Miles, uh, maybe less than ten. Uh, eight sounds pretty good to me. I I just think that if they don't win. We're coming into this podcast next week talking about how the Blues lost the unlosable series and heads will roll. And I just, despite the fact that there's 50,000 Maroons now that Palaszczuk has perhaps foolishly timed the opening of the the stadium thing. Uh, let's not get into politics too much, but um, <laughs> despite the fact that they they will grow an extra leg and, and guys like Corey Allen, who are modest first graders, might have a blinder. They might become Dane Gagai. Edric Lee or Branko Lee might be the next Dane Gagai who just grow an extra leg at this level. But it seems unlikely to me. The Blues really should be getting the job done. Um, If they do get the job done, the narrative is, well, it was a closer series than it should have been. And if they lose, it is what the hell happened there. Uh, So I think my head says the Blues will get this job done. Let's use our heads to make some bold predictions. I'll start us off. I quite like the idea of Branko and Edric Lee playing together, particularly if they play together on the right side, which I anticipate will happen, despite the fact that Edric Lee is generally a left winger. Uh, I think he'll play on the right to try and nullify Tupo's height. I think Branko and Edric Lee will combine for two tries, whichever way you like to slice it. Edric scores two, Branko scores two, one each. Um, it probably won't be three and negative one or something like that. Um, so it'll be two tries combined between Edric Lee and Branko Lee is my bold prediction for game three. Miles, what is yours? Well, as I said earlier, I think any way you chop it up, Tedesco has been the, the man of the series thus far for New South Wales. And I, I think he'll probably be observed as such at the end of the year. And I'm tipping him for a big game three where... Yet again, same as last year, he'll score a walk-off series-winning try for New South Wales. Right, so New South Wales will be maybe, if your eight-point prediction is going to be right, they'll be either slightly in front or maybe a little bit behind (laughs) or something like that, and Tedesco will be the one that seals it for the Blues. Well, I've I've got to go further than that. Uh, When I say walk-off, I mean try scored, time expires, and New South Wales wins, so... 
look, they are incongruous, <laughs> my, my tip and my bold prediction, but hey, they have been all series, so oh well. <laughs> All right, I, I do. I, I never heard the expression "walk off try," but there you go. That that makes some sense to me. Okay, so Tedesco with the try on the buzzer to win it for the Blues. That's it. Cool. Okay, thank you for that one, and uh, I hope that you're wrong. Kieran, <laughs> what what is your bold prediction? Um, I've gotten something a little bit similar. I've got Harry Grant. Um, uh, this is just the first part. Harry Grant with a, a try assist, and then I've got Munster either scoring or assisting the game-winning try for Queensland. Oh, I do like that one a little bit more. I don't know. It yeah. could be that I'm based in <laughs> Queensland. So <laughs> Harry Grant with a try assist, that seems in the realms of possibility, particularly if he does come on in that sort of creative role. Um, and Munster to score or assist the match-winning try for Queensland. Yeah, yeah. All right. I really well, hope it happens. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I'm assuming Miles, you do not. No, let's let's not say that happen. <laughs> Are you happy enough for Branko and Edric to score two tries, even if the Blues go on a win? Sure. I mean, let's uh, let's get some love around here always. But no, I, I don't want the Queensland to win. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Uh, I guess we'll do this the same time next week to see who did prevail in this very exciting last game I, I have to admit like at the start of this series I asked you both how whether it felt like Origin and Kieran you were you were pumped as and Miles you seemed like you were sort of up for it I was not at all but I, I've I've come around I'm, I'm quite enjoying this I'm not liking the end of season thing that's going on but this series has really uh, defied my expectations so uh, despite this fact that my head says go New South Wales I am going to say go the Maroons go the Maroons Go the blues. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs>